Hello and welcome to Outdoors in Scotland. I'm John Burns. This is my week podcast for folk who like to be outdoors. Um, I'm, uh, spring is, 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 defi- is definitely here now. Um, there's flowers and things coming and the Highlands is looking very, uh, I don't know, very, very keen to get going with this new with this new season, you know, as, as I'm sure everybody is. I, I'm just back from a, uh, a, a, a canoe trip. Uh, on the on the River Spey. Well, when I say on the River Spey, be quite honestly, mostly in the River Spey. Um, <laughs> I have an aversion to getting wet, you know. So I, uh, I normally walk on the bank, and I think I'm going to stick to that in future, to be quite honest. But there's there's, there's lots of ways to getting about in the Highlands. Walking and uh, uh, and another dry way, normally anyway, is is, is cycling. Um, there's, when I when I was a kid, there was only two kinds of bikes. There was ladies' bikes and gents. But now there's hundreds of bikes. There's fat bikes, thin bikes, road bikes, you name it. <laughs> and so uh, my guest today is a filmmaker and a writer and a very keen cyclist. And I'm going to bring him on to talk about his new book, uh, Bike Packing in Scotland. And uh, my guest today is Marcus Stitz. Hello, Marcus. How are you? Hello, John. Yeah, I'm well. Thank you very much. <laughs> good, good. And, and uh, so... Obviously, you're a keen cyclist. How did you get into into um, bike packing? Tell us first of all, what is bike packing? So, I think bike packing is probably one of those tricky words that's um, more a marketing term rather than anything else. I think for me, um, to put it briefly, it's is cycle touring, but possibly not in a traditional way with hanging your panniers um, on either side of the rack um, and the back and on the fork in the front. It's a bit more of a compact um, cycle touring with putting backs on your saddle, on your handlebars and in your frame triangle um, and being a bit more um, agile um, than it used to be when you had all this luggage running off the bike. So I think that's bikepacking for me. I think you, I think most people choose to go out for multiple nights um, because you don't need that much stuff if you only go out for a day. Um, and where you want to stay is really up to you. You know, you can you can go wild camping. You can stay in nice accommodation if you choose to. You can stay with, stay with people who host you as private people. So pretty much that's in a in a nutshell. And what kind of bike? doesn't really matter i think you can you, you've just named a few things that i think we used to be used to have a very easy variation of bikes and nowadays you've pretty much got bikes for every every um whatever you fancy so you know i think usually the best bike for bike packing is the bike you already have and you can use and and a few words to myself so i um i think the most important thing to know is that I'm a child that grew up behind the Iron Curtain in Germany. So um, as soon as I learned to cycle, for me, cycling was a way of getting about and and, and kind of an extension of my own personal freedom. Um, and ever since then, that's what's been running as like a line through my life, pretty much. So I've used I've used cycling to get to know new people. Um, I've explored a number of continents on the bike um, and now. Um, I'm running Bikepacking Scotland um, and I really want to share my passion for cycling um, and also try to help people to get into cycling, bikepacking, gravel riding um, and use that as a, you know, to kind of experience all the joys I've experienced um, throughout my life so far. That's that. Tell us a bit more about, um, so you grew up in East Germany, is that correct then? 
Yes, yeah. I was I was ten years old when they were walking down. Why why was getting on a bike then so important to you at that time? Because that's pretty unique. Not many people have experienced that, you know. <laughs> yes. Um. So I think I, I think it was pretty unique because um. So I I I um grew up. So I was ten years old when the when the war came down. So you know I like I think on the on the larger scale of things, there was first 10 years had an impact on my life but possibly not as significantly as other people that lived behind the iron curtain and you know mm-hmm. severely had their freedoms restricted for uh, you know at times decades in the case of my parents um <clears throat> but I think um I, I think like from my early childhood onwards like we um we used to visit our grandparents quite often and um and the bike, in many ways, was possibly the easiest way to do that um, because you could move around much more freely on the bike than you were to, in the car and any other means of transport. You know, imagine so, uh, growing up uh, behind uh, the, the Ivan Curtain, everything was your, your freedom of movement. So um, my grandparents both lived together with two, two zones in East Germany, um, which were close to the border. So there was one which was severely restricted and the other one, um, not so restricted, but you needed a permit to get into the zone. So every time we visited our grandparents, we needed to pass a checkpoint and show this permit um, in order to get there. And you, you had to renew that on an annual basis. It didn't matter if you're an adult or a child. Um, so, <clears throat> and I think like a bike for me in, the, in those early days were just like, a you know, at least it gave you that it's possibly a false sense of freedom because, you know, your freedom was still re- re- restricted, but it gave me the idea to get to places. And and I think, I think what is really important about that history is that ever since the war came down, I think that was such an important date for me because basically it meant that from that day onwards I could go wherever I wanted to go in the in the world, and and that inspired my very early wanderlust and you know my 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 passion for exploring far flung places. I mean that 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 fits in in some ways. I mean nothing like as extreme, but but in, in some ways we've all come through <clears throat> the pandemic when our when our freedom to move was was massively restricted, and and I think I think since that since you know once that restriction's taken off, you suddenly realise just how valuable it is to be able to go exploring where you want. Yeah, totally. And it was interesting. So I think um, in 2020, so I think this whole past um, with me growing up behind the Iron Curtain really didn't really play a huge role in my life until I cycled around the world in 2015. Um, And I had this one moment where I was was literally cycling to Germany on the way back to Scotland. Right. I've passed passed the former border, what used to be the border. And that was the very moment where I really felt like, you know what? you've just cycled 30,000 kilometers around the world and none of that would have ever been possible, um, you know, if that event wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and it was such, you can, you can, you can imagine, it was quite an overwhelming moment, but I was just looking into yeah. the, the former border is marked by those big brown signs, which tell you on this place, there used to be a border up until, um, and then they, they give you the exact date when that particular stretch of border was open. All right. Um, and um, so I was standing in front of the sign and I was just like, hey, I'm super grateful to all of those people who, who um, made this happen. You know, there were people like it was a it was a peaceful revolution in East Germany. Like there were people marching the streets and through that demanding um, to get more freedom. So I think it was, it is, it's a pivotal moment in history. Um, and and also then I've then I've like I think it's like in many ways it's 
it, it feeds into the work I'm doing um, now because to the pandemic, um, you mentioned that that was the first time since the 11th of November 1989 where someone was actually telling me, look, you can't go to this country now <laughs> because AIDS. And, yeah. um, and for totally understandable reasons, um, I wasn't questioning any of that. But it's still a really, really strange feeling to all of a sudden, you know, because I thought on that day, like, even though I was a 10 year old child, but I was just like, why? That's it, you know, for the rest of my life. No one's ever going to tell me again <laughs> to go. And then you suddenly realize, right, people can still do this. Um, so I went back during the pandemic, like in, in 2020, um, I went back in um, October. Um, to do uh, a film about riding the Iron Curtain. So I cycled 400, uh, 750 kilometers of the Iron Curtain for a documentary. Um, I, just, just because to kind of relive this feeling and to really understand what, you know, <clears throat> what freedom actually means. It's such a precious gift we are giving. And I think in Western countries, we often take it so for granted, um, you know, and, and, and it was, yeah, it was, it's really interesting. And since then, I think I made this, I didn't really make the Iron Curtain story much of a topic when I do public speaking, but I do think it's actually quite interesting for people, especially in Britain, to understand what that meant. And, and I think we've gone back to it now as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when we had two or three days of tomatoes missing and, and supermarket shelves. Um, you know, that was, that was the status quo. <laughs> this is how I grew up, you know. I grew up until I was 10 years old and you went to the shop and you basically bought what was in the shelves and there were plenty of empty shelves, you know. So you kind of had to adopt um, whatever you bought to whatever was actually available. And I think this is this is like, just bring it back to bikepacking. It's really, it's a really good skill to have because bikepacking often means, right, you know, there's, there's the ideal scenario, but then there's also the scenario where you kind of, like sometimes don't reach your destination or it does rain or you know the track yeah, possibly yeah. not what you expected so i think having a certain degree of accepting right it's possibly not what i wanted it to be but it's still quite um i think helps helps a lot but as you say you live in scotland now is that right yes yeah yeah what, 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 years now. Scotland, then? What, what brought you here I think, so I fell in love with Scotland um, when I studied in Sunderland in 2003 um, as part of a universe, university exchange. Um, and I went up to Edinburgh a number of times by, the, uh, by train. Uh, it was quite easy just to jump on a train from Newcastle to Edinburgh. Um, and that's when I really fell in love with Scotland. I just, just I think what attracted me back then and still attracts me, it's such as, Scotland has, very welcoming people it's got a really interesting landscape um mm -hmm. and it's got an amazing history um i think if you look at especially if you look like um the last 200 years back it had so, it was such an important place um for innovations and and really really shaping shaping the rest of the world so you know those three things i thought were really interesting um and then i also back then i used to i used to produce a music festival i worked in the arts and so i you know i felt like just being a tiny little piece of the puzzle that is the edinburgh fringe would be amazing um so in 2005 um i came back from an internship in new york um and had a month to spare um, before I went back to university to finish my final year, and and then I thought like you know what I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to try to find any job at the Edinburgh Fringe and um, kept coming back and then um, after having a temporary stint each summer 
um, from 2005 to 2008. Um, I permanently moved in, in 2009. And yeah, I, 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 I often describe it, I, I got stuck in Edinburgh, but in a really, really nice way. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're going to get stuck somewhere, Edinburgh is the place to do it, really, isn't it? I think yeah. Edinburgh is yeah. like, from the fringes. Well, the fringe gets a bit a bit addictive after a while, I think. Um, can I ask you, so you, to come back to your book uh, on, on, on uh, bike packing, um, how did, well, t t tell us a little, little bit about the routes that you chose and why you chose those. Mm -hmm. So it's 20 routes and they really span from anything which I would suggest is, is suitable for like, say, let's say a two day trip um, up until a multi-day adventure. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess there's also there's a few routes in there which you which are shorter routes by themselves, but they overlap at certain places. So you can right, okay. you could combine them to make them to make them longer routes. Um, and the the idea for it very much came through the work I've been doing over the last six years since I came back from the round the world trip and started bikepacking Scotland um, as a website um, like. Before I went around the world, I designed a route called the Capital Trail, um, which is combining historical routes, paths, roads in the Scottish borders in East Lothian. Um, and that, um, yeah, that was received really well. Um, and I always stopped my around the world trip as an extended Capital Trail. So instead of doing a 250 kilometers, I did 34,000 kilometers and finished and started on exactly the same place where the Capital Trail starts on the Portobello um, promenade. And I think bikepacking Scotland, what I really want to to produce in the book is a routes for various for various abilities. So I think like the, the thing I love about bikepacking as it is a very inclusive activity, I think. Like you you know, as I said beforehand, pretty much you can use whatever bike you you have. It, you know, in some shape or form, it will suit you to go on adventure. Um, you know, and I and, and I also think like an adventure doesn't have to be like a multi-day epic. Um, it can also be just a short trip from your front door, you know, pitch your tent somewhere, go back the next day uh, and, and feel refreshed. So, and, and that's pretty much the vibe of the book. Um, so you don't and... have to be massively mega fit then to do all of these then? No, no, definitely not. Um, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think... <laughs> Um, so I think the shortest route is about 65 kilometers, which is the okay. Ghost Lodian Trail in, in, in East Lodian. And it's, it's you know, they are, you know, it is it, very difficult to avoid any hills in Scotland. Um, but it's one of those routes where there are a few hills in there, but they're okay. Uh, you, I, I, I presume you can cycle them. And um, so... And 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 that very much. So the so the routes have different lengths. They they are all. I think what's important to know about this one. I think they've all been designed with bikepacking in mind. So you know, while on some bits on the longer routes, you possibly have to push your bike for a short section every now and then. Um, they are they are they are designed to be ridden on the bike. So they're not like because I think often people um, use long distance walking routes for bikepacking. And then you quickly find out that something, for example, like the West Highland Way, there's only sections of that route that are suitable for bikepacking, whereas other sections along the Loch Lomond Shores, for example, you you really have to have uh, uh, enjoyment. <laughs> you have to enjoy punishment in order to track oh, right. your bike um, for five hours across routes along the... Because, you know, those routes, 
that like often often they've been they've been mapped with walkers in mind and and they are now used by people cycling them as well but they're not exactly what i would say is what i think is a great bikepacking route so those 20 routes like specifically they are kind of span across my work in the last six years working with various destinations in scotland um, to design routes um, specifically for cyclists and they are for gravel bikes they are for road bikes and for mountain bikes so there's a there's a good there's a good stretch um, and, and those bikes you know from from my side they're recommendations you know there will be people who are very experienced bike riders that can move that they can ride a route that's designed for mountain bikes on a gravel bike or even a road bike <laughs> if they want to have a proper adventure um um, on the other hand, for example, if you're new to cycling, then my suggestion is always the wider you tire, the, the better it is for you. You know, like, so, you know, just like, I think, um, get a wide tired bike and that will allow for many more mistakes to be made on the trail. And what's I think that, what's, what's, the, what's the advantage of a wide tire bike then? It just literally, I think, just imagine sitting on a seat with a big cushion. <laughs> oh, right, okay, that sounds all right. You know, you'll be sitting on there for longer if it's cold outside, or if the seat is uncomfortable. Um, it's the same with the wide tyre, you know, the tyre is the bit that is between your bike and the surface. So the wider it is, um, the more there is between you and the surface, um, and the more there is, the more mistakes you can make. I think ah, it's, it's, it's a thing... It's, it's a thing I learned in New Zealand and, and you know, I often learned that the hard way as well. Um, so I think that's kind of like, I think it's a very simple principle. Um, you know, imagine riding a road bike with a 28 millimeter tire on a gravel track. It's not really comfy. You know, it's doable. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not unachievable, but it's possibly not, it's not possible. um, many people's idea of fun. So, um, but I think what is important to add as well, so I think where cycle touring, bikepacking, or any cycling differs is, I think for me in Scotland, you want to go to those places that are not um, um, overrun by cars or or, or people who, who want to, yeah. you know, just do a day trip, whatever. So I think the best places in Scotland are the places where um, there's less people um, and and you'll have much more flexibility. You know, there are still places in Scotland where you don't have to book accommodation way in advance. You know, you can still walk up in some places in the middle of summer if you want to and find a nice B&B or hotel. And, and, and I think for me, those are the places which I think are much better suited to cycle touring. I'm not saying that people shouldn't cycle the popular routes you know that's fine you can do that but um i i, I think if you if you want to get to know a slightly different scotland um then i love going into those um places which are you know pretty much every if you come from germany everything's off the beaten track in uh, in, in scotland <laughs> but i think if you live in scotland and i've lived there for 14 years now i think you get to know those places where you can you yeah. can still experience a very wild country at times. And, and also the hospitality of people is great in every corner I've been to in Scotland. But if you go to some places and, and you actually know where to look for as well, you get to know some amazing stories from local people. And and that for me is is the beauty of bikepacking yeah. and, and cycling in general. That's your difficult question now. <laughs> if you had... <laughs> If you had to pick one of your routes, what do you what would you say is the jewel in the crown of the of the book? Is there one route <laughs> for you that stands out? 
<laughs> um, I tend not to, but uh, let me just, I'm just read on my brain. Um, I'm, I'm possibly, <laughs> um, I'm slightly biased by, by that, but I, I, I do think, I would say the first route I've done, that's the Capitol Trail. And, and you know, this is also basically, I would suggest for a route, that's my favorite because the so number of Tell us about that, that trail then. What, what, what is it? The capital, I take it, it starts in Edinburgh, is it? <laughs> it starts in the capital, yes. <laughs> <It's been laughs> the um, um, so I think the reason why I think it's still one of one of the best routes I've mapped is, is A, it's about 250 kilometers long. Um, so it does suit people who are super fit will normally ride it in two days. Um, people, people who are just getting into cycling or bikepacking can do it in, let's say, five. Uh, yeah, I would say four to five days is a good length. Um, yeah. And 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 the reason why it's nice for that is there are places along the route where you don't. So you don't have to take your tent if you don't want to. You know, you find places to stay along the route, um, which give you a bit more comfort <laughs> sleeping mat. But on the other hand, you can also take your tent and and and, and just pitch it in, in some absolutely stunning corners of Scotland. And right. and as I said, I, I mentioned beforehand, like it's one of those routes you can ride that in the bang on in the middle of the tourist season in July and August. Um, you know, and you'll still find a place <laughs> which you'll have all for yourself. And I, you know, I love that because I think for me this is what Scotland's about. But then on the other hand. What I always think, like, is for what, what Scotland for me is, and I've mentioned that before, like, is, is the history. And you come across some amazing places, just to name a few. So you'll, you'll get a sense of what it was like to trek herring from Dunbar over to Lauder, over the Lammermuir Hills. So the Lammermuir Hills is one of the first big hills you go over. Um, you'll get to know the Scottish borders, which I often find is, a, is an amazing stretch of Scotland as well, yeah. just due to yeah. its history. You know, it's been, <laughs> it had a really troubled past. It's been basically been, you know, invaded by all sorts of people, you know, constantly. Um, and and you'll, you, 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 you get that sense when you travel there. Um, it's also the, you know, pretty much the home of rugby in Scotland as well. So, you know, you experience yeah. some of that as well. Um, you get to you get to know some 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 really nice local produce down there as well, and the nice thing it's it, like if you don't want to do the route all by 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 a runner, you can you can basically split it into two, and you can do the first bit and then take a train back from Tweed Bank, um, and then do the rest um, on another weekend. Um, so that works as well because I of, often think like bikepacking can be something pretty intimidating if you think about it you know you will for, for, let's, for, for some people so if you you know if you haven't you haven't been wild camping you haven't ridden your bike over long distance <laughs> and you haven't managed to buy all your food and carry it with you which you sometimes need uh, on those routes then all of that one can be quite yeah i often think like right it's just, it, it could be something that's possibly um putting someone off doing it um <laughs> Um, and and so the Capital Trail is a is a is a nice route because you don't have to do that, but you can you know you can do part of that if you want to, um, and you also get up to to some pretty um, high hills. You get some lovely three hundred sixty degree vistas um, at times, weather allowing. You know that's possibly a factor, <laughs> which can be 
um, which is the one thing you can't plan with in Scotland, but I think that's a great thing as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, and 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 you know, partly due to the fact um, that I, you know, I so the route starts on Portobello Beach um, in Edinburgh, and I often think like beaches are great things um, because you know you kind of on land, but you'll also have you mentioned mm -hmm. the water and kayaking on the bay before, and I think being on water is a tool different thing <laughs> you know but that I love standing, standing on the beach <laughs> and kind of looking yeah look looking on the horizon and say look there's always more but you know it's nice to stick to land as well and, and, and choose the safer option um and, and ride your bike around so yeah that's, that's... i mean a beach is, is obviously a natural boundary isn't it it's a natural mm -hmm. border which uh you know it gives you a, a good sense of where, where you're actually setting off so it, it it sounds a great book, and, and I think your your enthusiasm for what you do uh, really comes across, um, and and I'm sure it, it it it'll come bubbling out of your book as well. So it sounds <laughs> a great book for everybody, and from from what you're saying, the great thing about bikepacking sounds is that it gives you a lot of an enormous amount of flexibility that you probably wouldn't have if you were if you if you were just walking and backpacking, which is a great thing I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it does. Um, and, um, you know, with those bags, um, not sure when they actually got invented. I've seen I've seen pictures from about 100 years ago in Australia, you know, where people just um, um, like the overlanders in Australia is possibly like one of the early days where people have kind of had to cycle long distances to get from A to B because there wasn't anything else. Um, and, and that's a nice thing as well. But I also think like I think what I like about bikepacking as well um and and it's, it's it's the same with walking as well you can stop everywhere uh and i i, I do think that's such a such a and, and and that makes it so different from if you if you're touring in a car for example yeah. um yeah. you know you can't <laughs> well you know some people yeah. no no that's to, right. But, right you know like in an ideal world you don't want to just stop in the middle of somewhere and say oh this is quite nice you know <laughs> it's kind of like i'm gonna you can do that on the bike it's quite you know well, so you've got right. that flexibility and with um, scottish access legislation you know you can camp yeah. pretty well anywhere which is which is a gives you it does give you a massive amount of freedom that doesn't exist yeah. in England. listen marcus that's a fantastic talking to you i've really enjoyed the chat and you, you've almost you've almost taught me into it you know i might have a go <laughs> <laughs> i might load up my my i've been meaning to well, i've been meaning to uh bike into a bothy for ages I have, well i did bike bike into a bothy a while ago but i have done it for a long time but uh, your, I'm sure your book will inspire me and as it will inspire a lot, of, a lot of other people. Thanks very much for talking to us, Marcus. It's been really real fun. Awesome. Thank you, John. And that was Marcus Stitz talking about his new book, Bikepacking in Scotland. Uh, quite interesting what he was said there, I think, about finding freedom as a young boy from behind the Iron Curtain. I mean, when you think about it, I suppose... All outdoor pursuits fundamentally are about freedom, the freedom to wander or climb or swim or whatever. That's really so, so important to us. Just to point out there, um, Marcus's book is released, I think, on the 18th of May. Um, if you'd like to hear Marcus talk, he's speaking at Aviemore uh, on, I think it's the 11th of May. Um, I'll put a wee link to that talk um, on, the, on, on the page. 
And uh, if you're unfortunate enough to even actually want to hear me talk, I'm actually speaking uh, for the Ockles Mountaineering Club on the 3rd of May at 8pm at the uh, Cricket Club in Stirling. So you can pop along there and um, I think I think it'll be quite a fun evening. I'll, I'll promise you I'll do my best to make sure it is. <laughs> so anyway, so I hope you've enjoyed uh, my little podcast. Do come again. Thanks for listening. I've been John Burns. Take care.